0: Support for the Florida Roundup comes from ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, family-owned and operated since 1936. Guests can shop any of ABC's 125 Florida stores and get curbside service through abcfws.com.
1: Welcome to the Florida Roundup, and thanks for listening. I'm Melissa Ross in Jacksonville.
2: And I'm Matthew Petty in Tampa. Well, for decades, Florida's constitution has protected the right to terminate a pregnancy. Since 1989, the privacy clause in the state constitution has guaranteed access to abortion. That clause has made Florida an outlier among southeastern states, especially since the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, and a number of states rushed to ban or strictly limit the procedure.
1: Now, though, there are signs that the Ron DeSantis administration is targeting the privacy clause. Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody's office said this week the Florida Supreme Court should reverse its decades-old position on abortion. Moody is making the argument that the privacy clause was never intended to protect abortion rights. Now, DeSantis's opponent, Charlie Crist, has been leaning into this issue on the campaign trail around Florida, telling voters the governor wants to end abortion in the state altogether.
3: You know, Governor DeSantis has not backed away from this issue. He is fighting a woman's right to choose, signed the 15-week law, and shockingly has no exception for rape or incest. And I believe that's just barbaric. It is disrespectful of women and their right to choose. If you want to have a choice as a woman. And your reproductive rights, Charlie Crist is your candidate. If you don't, then it's Ron DeSantis.
2: Well, Florida's Supreme Court has changed in recent years as judges have retired and the governor has replaced them with more conservative appointees. We reached out to Moody's office for a comment about the argument her office submitted to the Florida Supreme Court but did not get a reply. We begin the hour talking about the potential of further limits on abortion in Florida. Let us know your thoughts. Give us a call wherever you are in the state at 305-995-1800. That's 305-995-1800. You can also send us a tweet. We're at Florida Roundup.
1: Your calls and tweets in a bit, but first, reporter Jim Saunders of News Service of Florida has been covering this story and joins us now. Hey, Jim, so tell us, what's the substance of Attorney General Moody's argument to the state supreme court
4: well the attorney general is um saying that uh the the privacy clause in the florida constitution was never meant to cover abortion rights um that would uh essentially if the supreme court goes along with that argument it would have to undo precedence that as you indicated goes back to 1989 um the privacy clause uh, does not it does not literally explicitly mention abortion rights, but that has been the way that it has been interpreted by the Supreme Court since 1989. Uh, it has been, you know, sort of a bulwark uh, for abortion rights supporters in Florida, uh, literally for the past three decades. It's sort of worked in tandem with Roe v. Wade, and uh, obviously Roe v. Wade. Uh, is not there to protect the abortion rights anymore. Uh, so, if the Supreme Court goes along with Attorney General Moody's arguments, it would be a, you know, um, it would be a huge shift legally in the state. Uh, pretty much, it would leave up to the legislature uh, whatever decisions to make about abortion rights. And we'll have to
1: see what the court does. But, you know, earlier today, we spoke with Charles Wells. He's the retired chief justice of the Florida Supreme Court. Wells tells the Florida Roundup that that 1989 opinion on Florida's privacy clause was written by Justice Leander Shaw. And he said it explicitly states that abortion in the state is a civil right and that it is protected under Florida residents' broad right to privacy. He claims Moody's argument is in error.
3: That is wrong. That's plainly wrong. I call everyone's attention to the very substantive decision and scholarly decision that was written by Justice Shaw, Justice Leander Shaw, in 1989. He wrote this opinion, and this opinion is a substantive explanation of why every Floridian has the guarantee of a right to privacy and that guarantee covers the right to abortion. He expressly says that it is a state constitutional right and that is the law which has been the law of Florida for 33 years and I think it is an error for any official of the state to attack that right, that civil right, that every Floridian has under the Florida Constitution.
1: Now, the judge also pointed out that the right to abortion was reaffirmed in subsequent court cases and even uh, by constitutional amendment. So, Jim Saunders, what about the argument from the retired chief justice that uh, the other Judges on the bench need to respect precedent in this matter, or what they call in judicial circles, stara decisis, you know, the idea that you respect previous decisions.
4: Well, I think you have to look in, and look at this in context of the politics as well as uh you know resistance to this. The the 1989 resisted by conservatives pretty much ever since 1989. I think uh there was even an attempt to defeat. Justice Shaw in a merit retention election, uh, it was an unsuccessful attempt. And a lot of that stemmed from this. Um, so the the court has changed enormously over the past three years. And it has shown that it is, it is willing to rip up old precedents. Um, those changes, you know, primarily have occurred since governor, they have occurred since governor DeSantis got elected. Uh, but what by a four to three majority supported uh, the privacy clause as protecting abortion rights, has now gone to a six to one court that is very conservative. Now, obviously they haven't ruled on this issue yet, but the the philosophical uh, makeup of the court has changed just substantially. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just go to abortion rights issues, it goes to other issues as well. We've seen them rip up precedents on death penalty, uh, Cases, for instance. So, um, you know, Justice Wells uh, obviously is reflecting the view of the court, you know, again, for, for three decades. But, um, but I think, uh, you know, you kind of have to look at the political realities uh, around here at this point as well.
1: as we talk about abortion access in Florida. Let's talk about the politics, Jim. Uh, Florida has already restricted abortion to 15 weeks of pregnancy with no exceptions for rape or incest that is being legally challenged. Uh, Political observers have traditionally assumed that Governor Ron DeSantis probably wouldn't want to make any further moves to limit access to abortion until after the November election. It's a tricky political issue in Florida. A bipartisan majority of voters in this state has indicated they don't want to see any further restrictions. So what about the DeSantis administration making this move before voters go to the polls?
4: Well, you know, technically it was Attorney General Moody's office that, that made, the, made the made the move. But uh, you're correct. Uh, Governor DeSantis has been very coy about about where he stands Uh on further restrictions on abortion at this point, this this argument was was made by Moody's office in a in a challenge to the 15 week limit. So um, while that limit is in place, has been in place since July 1st, uh, you know that's being litigated and that's really could be the vehicle that uh, that you know the court would use to overturn the the uh, rulings on the privacy clause. But you are correct that. Uh, Uh, Governor DeSantis is very coy about this issue uh, on the campaign trail. He's been asked numerous times, uh, has pretty much said, well, we've got to let this case play itself out. Uh, And, you know, but I I think there's the Democrats, uh, as, you know, uh, Charlie Chris uh, uh, was on your show there a few minutes ago, you know, they are trying to make this a big issue uh, to try to help sway um, swing voters, particularly women voters, um, and uh, you know, Governor DeSantis has sort of stayed away from it. Uh, but you know, the question is really uh, would, uh, would invalidate this interpretation of the privacy clause. What would happen when the legislature comes back into see uh, after this year's elections? Because the Republican legislature does have a very large majority, Uh, they have passed other abortion restrictions in the past, would they go further than the 15 week limit? I think that's sort of the the million dollar question if, again, if they are able to, uh, based on the, you know, on a ruling on the privacy clause. 305-995-1800,
2: we are talking about the potential of further limits on abortion in Florida. Let us know your thoughts. Give us a call. You can also send us a tweet at Florida Roundup. Uh, We're talking with, well, let me introduce rather Florida State Senator Lori Berman. Berman is a Democrat representing Delray Beach and supports abortion rights. Uh, Senator Berman, thanks for joining us.
5: Thank you so much for having me today.
2: Now, you've drafted a bill to protect abortion rights, which you plan to introduce in the next legislative session. Tell us about that bill.
5: Sure. Um, the bill basically codifies Roe v. Wade in the state of Florida. And I, I drafted it last year when we were aware that Roe v. Wade was under attack. And then when Roe v. Wade actually was... Um, eliminated by the Supreme Court, we. it's more important than ever that we put this in the Florida statute. But I will say that I do believe that our Florida Constitution has stronger rights under our Privacy Clause, and I do believe that under that Privacy Clause, um, women in the state of Florida do have the right to have an abortion.
2: Well, let's talk about that then. What's your take on the legal merits of the Attorney, attorney General's filing on that clause?
5: I mean, I, my take is exactly what the chief, chief Justice, what the Justice said before, that it's totally wrong. A couple different factors. First of all, we know that when the actual clause was put into the Constitution, it was put in in 1980, and it was put in with the idea to make sure that um, we had a, that we had the right to an abortion. It was actually put in with that idea. There's a law, FSU law professor who talks about that was the basis for why she put it in the law. Um, in addition, we know that um, there have been court cases in Ray TW, which was talked about here today on the, uh, in the discussion, and that case clearly stated that abortion is falls within the privacy right and there is even a dissent in that case which was written by a conservative justice who said that 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 our constitution even if roe were to fall the florida constitution provision would protect abortion in florida
2: well back to your draft of that bill to protect abortion rights do you have plans to tweak the bill before the start of the next session given what's happening in the courts with the 15-week ban and and now the uh, privacy clause we're talking about now
5: No, I mean, basically, our idea is to continue to have um, to to continue to have abortions up until viability, which is the standard under Roe v. Wade. And that will be what the basis of the bill that I will be filing again this year will be.
2: Mm -hmm. Now, you filed a bill last session, too, that was aimed at stopping the 15 week ban. That bill was defeated. Do you think the new one will feel better? And if so, Why?
5: I mean, as you said, this is a Republican-controlled legislature, Um, so it's, it's an uphill battle to try and codify Roe v. Wade in the state of Florida, but the voters have a choice right now. Um, We've seen, you know, despite the governor playing coy, here's his attorney general coming out and saying that that there's no right to an abortion in the state of Florida. So we know that what's going to happen after this election, if this governor is elected, is there will not be abortions in the state of Florida. This Republican legislature will go along with, with the governor and what other states have done. So this is now a very clear choice for the voters as to whether or not they want to be able to have abortions here in the state of Florida or that they would absolutely be banned.
2: What restrictions on abortion would you be okay with, if any?
5: I, I'm okay with Roe v. Wade, which is up to the point of viability. That is that is my my test at this point.
2: Mm-hmm. What about exceptions? I, For example, for rape or incest, would you add those in as well?
5: I mean, that that is right. Absolutely. I would put exceptions for rape and incest for human trafficking. I mean, I think it's horrible that the 15 week abortion ban that Florida passed has no exceptions for rape, incest or human trafficking. And unfortunately, those are often the most compelling cases and that shows all the more reason why the 15-week ban is draconian you can have we had this situation where an 11-year-old girl was raped by her stepfather she didn't even know what was going on the mother didn't figure out that she was pregnant until she was 20 weeks under the 15-week abortion ban she would not be able to have an abortion
1: You've it's talked 305... About the... uh, sorry, sorry, Matthew, if I, if I may. Uh, 305-995-1800. Just wanted to bring in a quick call. It's Gail in Sun City. Go ahead, Gail. Hello. Um, I think without abortion rights, we women are merely chattel and property with no rights of health care. Our bodies, our rights, privacy for us and our health care. Uh, we should put men in some situation similar so that they feel and understand what they do to us. This is totally
6: unreasonable. I I feel that abortion should be available to the rights of viability and the exceptions should include rape, incest, human trafficking, fetal abnormalities, and maternal health.
1: Gail, thanks for the call. Senator Berman, uh, women across the country uh, are registering to vote in large numbers. Based around this issue of abortion, I'm curious to know what you're hearing from your constituents about this uh, given that as you say the legislature in Florida it's not only male dominated uh, but it is a, a majority Republican legislature uh,
5: what are what are your female constituents what are they saying
1: to you about this
5: I, we're hearing more and more people are motivated I mean this is clearly you just heard Gail and I agree with everything she said um, people are out there they're I someone I know who never called called anyone before made a political call said she's made multiple political calls people are calling us and saying what can we do to help this cause so i'm hoping that everybody gets motivated get your friends out to vote and and we're going to see hopefully women show that this is that it's not okay to ban abortion and to limit our reproductive rights
2: Senator, are you concerned about other rights that could be threatened if the Florida Supreme Court sides with Attorney General Ashley Moody on this privacy issue?
5: I mean, certainly you have the same issue that you have going on with Roe v. Wade on the federal level. Um, You know, the right to um, same-sex marriage could be threatened, Um, the right to even get contraception could be threatened because of this. So yes, I am very concerned um, if the Supreme Court sides with Ashley Moody on this. And interestingly, last night the court issued a very strange opinion and it pulled it back immediately, saying that they were basically going along with the fact that there should not be an injunction, which was really um, a little frightening. So I think it's, it's a harbinger of what we may see come out of the court. Mm-hmm. Um, and i think everybody needs to be aware of that
2: do you think it's a i mean is a is it a bipartisan issue do you feel like there's some uh, buy-in from voters across the aisle on this issue as well
5: i do i don't see it as much and i've been in tallahassee now for 12 years and we did have some crossover votes on some of the abortion issues that's become actually less um prevalent in the legislature because i think you're continuing to get more people who are elected in the extremes, unfortunately, um, and we're not getting as many Republicans crossing over on the vote in the legislature. But I think that in the public opinion, I do believe that there are a lot of moderate voters on the Republican side who are uh, who want to make sure that we have the right to have an abortion.
1: And you know, You're Matthew, listening. lots of calls coming in. Uh, we'll have to get mm-hmm. to them in a moment, right?
2: Yes, indeed. Uh, We will get to those calls and tweets on abortion in Florida. You are listening to the Florida Roundup from Florida Public Radio. You can call us at uh, 305-995-1800. Send us a tweet at Florida Roundup.
0: The Cade Museum for Creativity and Invention inspires big ideas and expands the limits of visitors' imaginations. Cade Museum goers can invent a contraption to help penguins fly, build a robot to help walk a dog, and complete other exciting challenges with Edison's pile of junk. There is something for every age. Times and information at cademuseum.org. Funded in part by Visit Gainesville, Alachua County. Taxes, the environment, energy, education, health care, a state that's gaining nearly 1,000 new residents every day and the ongoing quest for resources to meet that growing need. These are critical issues that affect everyone in Florida, and they're just some of the issues we follow every week on Capitol Report. It's your direct connection to what's going on in Tallahassee and what it means to you.
1: Tonight at 6.30 on WGCT News 89.9. Two candidates are vying to be Jacksonville's next sheriff. Hear them debate before you vote. TK Waters and Lakeisha Burton will take the stage on Thursday, September 15th in a debate hosted by Jacksonville Today and the Jacksonville Bar Association. Attend in person at WJCT Studios or stream online. Register at wjct.org events.
0: Support for the Florida Roundup comes from ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, Florida family-owned and operated since 1936, and a proud supporter of public radio. ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, always be celebrating.
2: Welcome back to the Florida Roundup. I'm Matthew Pitty in Tampa.
1: And I'm Melissa Ross in Jacksonville. This Friday, we're live across the state. As we talk about potential further limits on abortion in Florida, Florida's Attorney General Ashley Moody has asked the Florida Supreme Court to reverse its position on a privacy clause in the Florida Constitution that for decades has protected abortion access in the state. Let us know how you feel about this as we continue the conversation with Jim Saunders of News Service of Florida and State Senator Lori Berman. It's 305-995-1800. Tweet us at Florida Roundup. Uh, here's a tweet from Terry. A majority of Floridians do not want further limits put on abortion access. Ruth is on the line in Sarasota. Hi, Ruth. Go ahead. You're on the radio. I'm just wondering why the stand-your-ground law could not be used to protect abortion rights. If I could shoot someone who stands on my front porch, threatening my person and my property. Why can I not terminate a pregnancy that is a threat to my person and my property and uninvited? Ruth, thanks for your call. Jim Saunders, you know, the the protection of abortion access is being argued through, I guess, a different legal avenue, but what about Ruth's question?
4: Well, I haven't thought about, you know, that is uh, in that context, um, but uh, you know, the, uh, this issue is is something that uh, is being debated throughout the country at this point. You know, Florida in the southeast is is uh, even with the 15 week limit is uh, you know it's it's almost become an outlier at this point in the southeast and, and in a lot of states that have far more restrictive laws at this point. So this is something that is uh, you know it's. Uh, in fact, the Moody's uh, our, the attorney general Moody's arguments allude to Roe v. Wade, the Roe v. Wade decision, too, from the, the U.S. Supreme Court, to try to you know bolster her arguments uh, on this privacy clause issue. So this is just something that you know the 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 arguments that are being made are just uh, they're almost universal at this point across the country, uh, from Michigan to Kansas to to the southeast. So. Um, it is, uh, you know, it
1: is issue number one right now. It sure is. Robert in Orlando. Hi, Robert. Go ahead.
4: Yeah. My point is that I
3: don't think we've made enough of the connection between the anti-abortion white people and their economic interest by exploiting labor. We know that a person that has a child at a very young age, they, their ability to get out of poverty is it's just non-existent which creates more cheaper labor. And I don't think we've made enough of connection between those anti-abortion forces and their need to keep exploiting people and getting the cheapest labor possible. In other words, if you force people at a young age to keep having babies, you know you're going to get guaranteed cheaper labor. And I don't think that connection is sufficiently made these days.
1: Robert, thanks for your call. Senator Berman Abortion is an economic issue. Where are you on that?
5: Um, I think it's interesting what he said, and I kind of feel like what we see in the legislature is that they're pro-birth, but they're not pro-life. Because once the child is born, they don't do anything to give them child. There's never been, you know, we've tried to put through things to have better child care, um, to get make sure that they are able to live a productive life. So um, there obviously is, you know, some connection with, you know, we know that people who give birth at a younger age often are stuck into a cycle of poverty. Um, So there is some truth to that issue. um, And maybe we need to play that up a little better and understand that. And especially understand that we're not helping the mothers who have the child. We're not helping the child once they're born. And and that is really not a pro-life position at all. The pro-life position would be to help the mothers and help the children, um, you know, and allow the mothers to be successful and make a determination when they wanna have a child, not when their legislators tell them they have to have a child. Eric in Coco, go ahead, Eric.
3: Hi. I just wanted to say I saw a
0: recent commercial by future Senator Demings, and I really appreciated her
3: saying that rape and incest are crimes, but abortion is not.
1: That's all I have. All right. Thanks for everyone who weighed in, and uh, I want to thank our guests as we discuss this contentious issue here on the Florida Roundup. Appreciate you both being with us this afternoon, State Senator Lori Berman and Jim Saunders of New Service of Florida. Thanks to you both. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, Florida's
2: next legislative session isn't until next spring, but when lawmakers convene in Tallahassee, they're expected to try to tackle Florida's ongoing property insurance crisis.
1: That's right, Matthew. And uh, not only will they be dealing with that big issue, There are also rumblings lawmakers may seek to further restrict access to abortion here in this state. I spoke about it with Republican State Representative and future Florida House Speaker Daniel Perez. Here's that conversation. Representative Perez, good to be with you. So if you can, set the stage for us. What can we expect from lawmakers in the upcoming spring legislative session in 2023? What are your biggest priorities?
7: Well, one, thanks for having me, as always. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Uh, but when we look forward over the next, let's say, 12 months, uh, which is the immediate future, one of the bigger priorities that we have to continue to tackle, Melissa, is the property insurance world. You know, we, we just we just passed a bill not long ago during special session that had the reforms put in place for property insurance. And we expect those to come to fruition in about 16 months or so, um, but it's something that we have to keep picking away at and I think that'll be one of the biggest priorities, especially as of late, where we're seeing that some of these insurance companies that are in the homeowner's market are, are leaving the state of Florida. We have to find a way to only keep them, but bring other companies into the state so that hopefully the rates can either stabilize or decrease, which is our ultimate goal.
1: How would you decrease rates? Is that something that's on the table? You
7: know, look, like all options are on the table. Whatever gets us to decrease the rates, have to, those options have to be on the table. I think we owe it to our constituents. But you know what we what we've done is is we've tried to focus that around how can we bring more companies to the state of Florida. That's the goal. We kind of have to work backwards from lowering the rates. And the way you work backwards is making sure that there are more options. Because uh, if there's competition, then obviously the the prices amongst the comp- prices amongst the competitors will, will go down uh we did that this past session i'll give you an example of it we did what was called the reinsurance assistance fund many of the carriers that were leaving the state were stating that they were leaving because the reinsurance market was too expensive and that's all part of the formula on how, on how they dictate take the premiums for floridians but in in in, a, in setting up the reinsurance assistance fund the state mandated that the carriers that use this fund uh that they lower the rates of the policyholders that they are writing the policy for, so in other words, we can guarantee that the homeowners that are part of this carrier's portfolio uh, will have their rates decrease within six weeks. So we've begun that process. The problem is it takes time for it to to, to see the effects uh, of what we passed. The experts, when we passed it, it said eighteen to twenty-four months. Uh, I think you know, maybe four months have passed since then. So we're still well on our way, and we we have to let some of our policies take place. And and we have to let it be rolled out. And we're just not there yet, unfortunately.
1: Now, in addition to dealing with the property insurance crisis, what about affordability issues overall in Florida, particularly rent prices, people just struggling to find affordable housing? What can lawmakers do to provide some relief? You know, we've seen some Florida cities look at trying to bring their constituents relief. Is that something the legislature could be looking at more seriously?
7: I did see in Miami-Dade County the mayor put aside, I think it was $10 million to pay for, for renters who couldn't afford their rent. And although I'd, I admire you know the, the thought uh, to support people that, that aren't make, able to make it um, month by month, you know I, I think that even calling that a Band-Aid is a stretch. I, I think it's, it's less effective than a Band-Aid. Um, the reason is, what happens when that money runs out? We truly haven't fixed anything. Uh, what we've been trying to do in the state is tackle the increase in, in inflation. It's happening every day, unfortunately driven by Washington, D.C., but us here in Florida, we've been able to do a little bit of our part. Um, you know, we, we do have uh, some taxes that we've been taking off the table in the month of October through the gas tax reduction that was led by, by Governor Ron DeSantis. We understand people are having trouble filling up their gas tank in order to get to work. Uh, we understand that even tolls, for example, have continued to increase uh, just over the lifespan of itself. And the governor recently in Miami-Dade County did the same thing. He he put about half a a billion dollars, uh, potentially, assuming that the legislature goes through with it, um, which I know that we will work with him on, uh, in in order for there to be some some toll relief. And all of these different uh, facets of help are are focused towards one goal, and that's helping Floridians that are being hit by the increase in inflation that's caused by Washington, D.C.,
1: and the governor will Well, not everyone the, would agree with that. I mean, inflation is a global crisis, and it's been brought on by issues stemming from a global pandemic. So, you know, it's not as though the U.S. is alone in dealing with inflation. Let me ask you, getting back to the housing matter, what about criticism over the years that the Florida legislature continually raids the Sadowski Trust Fund, which is supposed to help people uh, get better access to affordable housing? Could the legislature use those dollars differently? Is that something that you might look at in the upcoming legislative session?
7: Uh, Yeah, Melissa, to to finish the the, the last uh, response, I do think that that the federal government has made the inflation crisis worse with with the bailouts that have continued over uh, President Biden's Biden's tenure. So I I do think, although it's a worldwide uh, pandemic, for lack of a better term, uh, I do think it's been increased by the leadership that we have in D.C., but... To answer your question on the Sadowski Trust Fund, uh, over the last two years, we have had more money in affordable housing in the state of Florida uh, in, in, in comparison to the last five. And we did that by making sure that there's a formula in place where Sadowski cannot be rated completely, which had been done in the past. That is something that we put into law in the last two years. So so over the last two years, under Speaker secret's has we've been able to assure that affordable housing has had... Uh, the funds necessary for for people to be able to, to use them the ones that need it. but more important than that something else that we've done to make sure that it's not just about affordable housing but workforce housing you know in Miami for example we have a good amount of young professionals that are trying to start their career one with a ton of student debt uh, and two with uh, with the inability to afford purchasing a home let alone let alone renting a home so uh, we've been able to do so by, by waiving impact fees here some of the cost of, of the labor that is being put into place for workforce housing and affordable housing um, isn't uh, as much of a burden as it has been in the past. So we're attacking this from all different angles. I, I will tell you that uh, housing, workforce housing, affordable housing, uh, and the rent crisis is it would definitely a, a top priority in the House of Representatives moving forward.
1: You're listening to the Florida Roundup from Florida Public Radio as we speak with state representative and future House Speaker Daniel Perez. Let me ask you, Representative Perez, we've been talking about abortion here on the program. Will the Florida legislature next year look to further restrict abortion rights?
7: Look, I think it's it's premature to say exactly what that would look like. We haven't finished this election cycle. And as, as you know, Melissa, we will have to get back into session. Bills will have to get drafted, presented. Uh, debated and then eventually voted on Uh, what that looks like I don't know Um, but what I can uh, tell you is that over the last five years um, we've we've had a bill pertaining to abortion every single year Um, I I am 100% pro-life I've been in support of all of, of those versions that have come out of the Florida House and I think it's safe to say and you can expect I will be supportive on moving forward.
1: Will you but support a ban from- on a, a near total or even a total ban on abortion in Florida in your role as legislator and, and future House Speaker?
7: Yeah, what What I what I can tell you is this last, I can speak about what we've had in this last cycle in the 15-week ban. Uh, one of the, the, the larger fights uh, was the fight of having exceptions. And and I was against having exceptions. Um, and I was Why? against it. Uh, in in and I'm I'm getting there. I, I was against it with that with, with the uh, full intent of acknowledging the scenario that those events that the that the females have to go through and what people were trying to exclude, like rape princess, are one super super sad uh, to hear and something that. That I, I I can't understand what that even feels like to go through, but but I understand that it's a tough position for a woman to be in. Uh, at, at the same time, that being said, I think it is important for us to be the voice for the voiceless, and I think a, a woman that is in that in that scenario would um, would make the argument that it's her body and her choice, and I on the other side would make the argument that we are, we are the voice for the for the unborn child that is inside of the womb. Now, now look. But let me this, let me be clear topic. then.
1: So you you support strict abortion restrictions with no exceptions for rape or incest. What about polling that shows a bipartisan majority of Floridians do not want to see any further restrictions on abortion, even those who are pro-life have indicated to pollsters uh, that they would prefer there to be no further restrictions. Would the legislature be going too far to institute a near total or even a total ban on the procedure, that prospect has been floated.
7: Look, it's premature to, to say that, but yes, I wasn't supportive of the 15-week ban without the exceptions. Yes, I wasn't supportive of that. I would be in support of it again, and I, I don't know what poll you're looking at, but I will take I will take you at face value. I am I have no reason not to. But moving forward, what does that look like in the Florida House? Very premature for me to say, you know, I, I don't want to speak uh, ahead of my turn because, we have to first get there, and we still have an election cycle in front of us. Um, but, but if there is a pro-life bill that is presented in the House, uh, depending on the details, more I mean, more likely than not, yes, I am going to be in support of a pro-life bill.
1: State Representative, future House Speaker Daniel Perez, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And, you know, Matthew, it's interesting to get that perspective. What will also be fascinating to watch, and I think a lot of people are watching very closely, is will Governor DeSantis make any further statements about abortion prior to the November election, Matthew?
2: Yeah, that's an interesting point, Melissa. He stayed fairly clear of it. He's kind of trying to tow that very delicate line between his base and the broader electorate. And I guess that's kind of with an eye on the next uh, couple months, less than two months now, I guess, until the November election. But it, it will be interesting to see, as you say, if he says anything on abortion, what that is and and what his supporters will say about it if, if he does make some comments.
1: Certainly. And uh, his opponent, Charlie Crist, and also Congresswoman Val Demings running against Senator Marco Rubio they're hoping that this is a winning issue for them in this bipartisan state when it comes to this issue anyway. Something we'll continue to follow here on the show, Matthew.
2: Mm-hmm, indeed. Well, much more to come in the show when we return. LGBTQ activists from around the state work to derail the governor's re-election bid. You're listening to the Florida Roundup from Florida Public Radio. We're back in a moment.
3: Today in Music History from Anthology on 89.9 HD3, September 9th, 2003. Simon and Garfunkel old announced plans to reunite friend, and tour for the first time in 20 years. Friend, sat on their bench like Today in Music History, sponsored by Grassroots Natural Market in Five Points. Family owned since 2006 and featuring organic produce, supplements, and all the groceries on your list.
0: No one said running a democracy would be easy, but is that form of government
6: in trouble? Democracies are having a very hard time fulfilling the dreams, expectations, needs of the population. And then they have to cope with external shocks.
0: Looking at democratic upheaval around the world, plus the latest from the UK after the death of Queen Elizabeth II this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News.
1: Starting at 4
4: on WJCT News 89.9.
3: On the next Fresh Air, we remember NPR international correspondent Ann Garrels, who died Wednesday. She was known for fearless reporting in conflict zones, empathy for the victims of war, and a host of prestigious awards. We'll hear about her experiences in Iraq in 2003, chronicled in her book, Naked in Baghdad. Join us.
1: Today, starting at 1 on WJCT News 89.9.
0: Support for the Florida Roundup comes from ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, family owned and operated since 1936. Guests can visit 125 stores throughout Florida or shop online at ABCFWS.com.
1: Welcome back to the Florida Roundup and thanks for listening. I'm Melissa Ross in Jacksonville.
2: And I'm Matthew Petty in Tampa. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has enacted a steady stream of policies in his first term, impacting Florida's LGBTQ community. There are new laws dealing with everything from transgender sports and healthcare to what school officials can say about sexual orientation and gender identity. And the governor's approach has energized his supporters.
1: That's right, Matthew. A recent University of North Florida USA Today Network survey found 81% of Florida Republicans strongly support DeSantis' focus on cultural issues, including those touching on LGBTQ issues. But at the same time, it has left many LGBTQ Floridians and their allies feeling like DeSantis is engaging, in their view, in a toxic form of politics that scapegoats and demonizes marginalized people. Florida also has a long history of discrimination against LGBTQ individuals. DeSantis' critics say his policies are invoking a painful time from Florida's past.
2: Well, reporter Zach Anderson of the USA Today Network joins us now with more. Zach, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. And you can give us a call as well, 305-995-1800. Send a tweet to the show at Florida Roundup. Well, Zach, Florida has a large, influential, and highly visible LGBTQ community, how are LGBTQ activists here working to try and derail the governor's re-election bid?
8: Well, I talked to a bunch of them for this story, and uh, they're all in on trying to unseat uh, Desantis. I talked to uh, Nadine Smith, who's the head of Equality Florida, which is the largest um, LGBTQ rights group in Florida, and, and she told me that you know the LGBTQ community feels. Uh, more targeted by DeSantis than any other uh, governor in modern memory. Equality Florida has a political action committee and they've endorsed uh, DeSantis's opponent. Uh, and typically, those endorsements come with quite a bit of money and other resources. So uh, they're devoting resources. I also talked to um, a student at uh, uh, Harvard who used to be a student. Uh, in Florida, he was uh, the president of his class at Pineview uh School here in Sarasota County. And, uh, you know, he led a walkout against uh, HB 1557, the so-called Don't Say Gay Bill. And then he actually sued to try and overturn that piece of legislation. And he runs an activist group that has about 2,000 members in Florida and around the country. And he said he's all in, even though he lives um, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, he's going to be trying to unseat DeSantis from his dorm room and mobilize, uh, people who are involved in his activist group. So a lot of energy around, um, the governor's race with the LGBTQ individuals.
2: There's also part of a lawsuit, I believe, against HB 1557, the so-called don't say gay bill. Do you know what's the latest with that lawsuit? What's happened to it?
8: Uh, yeah, I haven't checked in to see wh- exactly where that stands, but I, I know that uh, there's been a big effort to try and um, overturn that in the courts.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned Nadine Smith, of course, Executive Director of Equality Florida. Um, she talked about Anita Bryant and longtime residents of Florida and others who follow politics in this state will remember her uh, anti-LGBT Q efforts back in the day. What are activists like Smith saying about how DeSantis's policies now in 2022 hark back to those policies from the state's past?
8: Well, you know, it, it was a much different era than where, you know, people were openly, uh, very much openly, um, you know, talking about, uh, you know, trying to limit the rights of gay people. And, and you had Anita Bryant, who became famous In the 1970s, she was uh, a citrus spokeswoman, a former beauty queen uh, who was a uh, national spokesperson for the Florida citrus industry. And she campaigned really aggressively. It was, I think it was called the Save the Children campaign, something similar Mm -hmm. to that. Um, She campaigned really aggressively to overturn an ordinance that was enacted in Miami-Dade County that would prevent discrimination against uh, gay people. And uh, you know, against uh, anybody based on their sexual orientation, and that ordinance was successfully overturned. She was successful in that, but it also created a big backlash uh, in the LGBTQ community. Um, and you know, over the years, there's been other battles uh, in Florida over uh, gay marriage or uh, gay adoptions, but that was really a defining moment back in the '70s, where, where you have this successful crusade. And, you know, there was a lot of pressure on the gay community and you, and you see uh, talking to uh, LGBTQ folks now, they, they feel like this era right now kind of harkens back to that in the sort of singular and aggressive focus that we've seen um, on some of these LGBTQ issues. Now, uh, today, it's much more focused around the transgender community the LGBTQ community as a whole, or or uh, the gay community, um, it, it really uh, the, some of these policies have really delved into things like transgender healthcare, transgender sports participation, um, mm-hmm. what you can say about gender identity in schools. So it's it's a different um, it's a different focus than it once was, uh, and and it seems like. That's by design, you know, uh, gay rights right. are now pretty, pretty broadly popular, but um, transgender rights are are more controversial. And I think uh, many conservatives, including DeSantis, feel like public opinion has not caught up yet uh, to where the uh, LGBTQ activism it has been around this issue.
2: Mm-hmm. We're speaking with reporter Zach Anderson of the USA Today Network, talking about the backlash from LGBTQ plus activists to Governor DeSantis, their efforts to try and derail his re-election bid. You can send us a tweet. We're at Florida Roundup. Give us a call. We're 305-995-1800. You are listening to the Florida Roundup from Florida Public Media.
1: Let's go to Flavi on the line in Tampa. Flavi, how are you? You're on the radio. Go ahead.
6: Hi, I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I have a lot to say on this topic as a gay woman myself who lives in Florida. Um, it's too much to, to keep in a precise you know, thing, so it's only really just keep it simple and say that uh, even though we have a Pride month now and even though companies will have a gay Pride rainbow logo during our month, we are still a marginalized people in this country. There was still one of the worst mass shootings in American history at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando that was a gay nightclub. It was targeted attack against gay people. And it just, I, I honestly, it boggles my mind how in 2022, we're still trying, we're still having to fight for our rights to just be alive and exist and love the people that we want to love. And it always feels that whenever you have these sorts of legislations, like the ones that Ron DeSantis are pushing, it's not adding any benefit to anybody. It is only there to take away rights from others. Why is that? How? I just don't understand how that's something that, as a politician, you can support uh, is, is actively putting down the constituents of your state. There are gay Floridians and people who say you have to protect the children. There's Where do you think that gay people come from? Gay til- There are gay children. You are gay when you are a child if you're gay when you're an adult. Uh, it just... Uh, Obviously, I have a lot to say about it, but it's very frustrating as a gay woman myself to still have to explain to people why we have a right to exist and love who we love just like anyone else.
1: Flavi, thanks for your call. Zach Anderson, I think you could hear by the emotion in her voice an expression of what you've been writing about, uh, how this community in Florida feels about the laws that they see as targeting them.
8: Yeah, this has been a very emotional issue. You saw some really passionate demonstrations with these student walkouts across Florida um, during the debate over House Bill fifteen fifty seven, the so-called "Don't Say Gay" bill. I mean, that really, uh, really got people pretty, pretty uh, fired up. Um, and and I and I, I heard it uh, not just in your caller there, but in talking to LGBTQ activists around the state. I mean, when you have a guy who's uh, in in college uh, his freshman year in college in Harvard and, and he's devoting time during his freshman year to um to this governor's race here I mean he he obviously uh, he's a, a a gay man he's very upset he feels targeted um you know your your caller mentioned um you know rights for this community the the governor you know, their spin on it, conservative spin on it, is that they're protecting parents' rights. You know, that's been their mantra is that, you know, the parents have a right to control when their kids are exposed to certain things. Um, And so, you know, they've they've really tried to frame it in that way as protecting one group's rights. uh, And then another group feels like their rights are being trampled on. So it's sort of um, interesting how uh, different sides are framing this Mm -hmm. issue I think the governor was really upset that this got tagged as the don't say gay bill. Um, You know, the LGBTQ community, uh, it was actually Equality Florida that came up with that slogan. And uh, it was very effective in rallying opposition uh, to that bill and and really was a big public relations coup for Mm -hmm. those who opposed it.
1: politics uh, rides on rhetoric. Uh, Doug tweets the show, as a healthcare provider, I don't care what advisories the state puts out. I will not participate in bigotry, and I will refer to my pediatric patients by their chosen pronouns, he says. Well, thanks for a great discussion on this. Zach Anderson reporting on these issues in Florida for the USA Today Network. Thank you, Zach.
8: Glad to be here. Thanks a lot.
1: And that's our show. Thanks to everyone for tuning in, calling, and tweeting the Florida Roundup. Produced by WJCT Public Media in Jacksonville and WLRN Public Media in Miami. Heather Schatz and Natu Twe are our producers. Catherine Hobbs is the associate producer.
2: WLRN's vice president of radio and our technical director is Peter Mertz. Engineering help from Doug Peterson, Charles Michaels, and Isabella De Silva. Richard Ives answers the phones. Our theme music is provided by Miami jazz guitarist Erin Libos at erinlibos.com. I'm Matthew Petty.
1: And I'm Melissa Ross. Great to have you on the show, Matthew. Thanks for calling and listening, everyone. We'll be back next Friday at noon.
0: Support for the Florida Roundup comes from ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, family-owned and operated since 1936. Guests can shop any of ABC's 125 Florida stores and get curbside service through abcfws.com.